the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushdooney. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. The War Against Christ's Kingdom A Special Chalcedon Alert Number 1 The destruction and death of the Christian faith is planned and in progress by our humanistic statist establishment. This is to be a destruction by indirection, in example by regulation, licensure, and controls. Step by step, the controls are to be introduced and extended. Recently, the Ohio Department of Public Welfare published a new set of, quote, proposed rules governing licensure of daycare centers, unquote. These rules propose to license and control all church nurseries, Sunday schools, vacation Bible schools, quote, church-operated, unquote, daycares, and, quote, church-operated, unquote, preschools. These rules would make the Welfare Department the governing board over all these church activities, Lest it be assumed that this problem is unique to Ohio, it should be added that like plans are underway in other states. In one major state, a welfare department official has stated that all Sunday schools will have to be licensed and controlled as child care facilities if even one child attended at any time without his or her parents. The same rule would apply to a church service. But this is not all. In all 50 states, child control plans are being readied to be introduced piecemeal in some cases, which undercut the family, the church, and the Christian school. The goal of these plans is religious, an example, humanistic in faith. The purpose is to create a new generation. This new generation is not to be created through rebirth in Christ, but by separation from the old corrupt generation and family, with its pollution of biblical faith. In one state, quote, health, unquote, homes are proposed for all children, the implication being that the family is an unhealthy home. This ties in with the recent insistence on giving recognition to the, quote, voluntary, unquote, family. An example, any group of lesbians, homosexuals, runaway youths, or a sexual commune. The Child Control Plan includes a two-year national service requirement of all youth, male and female, between the ages of 17 and 19. The obviously fascist direction of all this is clear. Fascism is that form of socialism which retains the forms of freedom, of private property, and the church, while totally controlling every area of life and activity to accomplish the same status goals of socialism. We should not be fooled by the professed horror of the establishment for Hitler and Mussolini. The fact is, 
that the real patron saint of virtually all modern states is Mussolini. Roland Huntford in The New Totalitarians describes clearly and accurately in terms of Sweden what this new totalitarianism and fascism is. The older model of the totalitarian state is the Soviet Union, a model in sorry internal disarray and decay. Its instrument of power was terror, total terror. However, with respect to its more able citizenry, even the Soviet Union is using the newer model, psychiatric brainwashing and punitive medicine. See Calcedon Medical Report number 8 and my article in the January 1981 Calcedon Report on the medical model versus the moral model in law. This new totalitarianism relies on a state school system to control and brainwash the people, on the medical model of law, on the regulation and control of every area of life while maintaining the form of freedom, and so on. It is the new totalitarianism, a development of the old fascism. All over the world it is on the march and one of its main targets is biblical faith. The church is being reclassified steadily in the United States as a part of this control, as a charitable, not a religious, trust. The position of the Internal Revenue Service and, for example, of the California Franchise Tax Board is that the 16th Income Tax Amendment ended the First Amendment immunity of the church to taxation and control. There is thus, it is held, no longer a constitutional immunity from taxation, only a statutory one, revocable at will. Since the 16th Amendment made no exemption for churches, an income tax can be assessed against them if the state so wills. November 5, 1979, Statement of the California Franchise Tax Board to Calvary Baptist Church of Fairfield, California. As a charitable trust, the church would be required to drop all discrimination with respect to race, color, sex, sexual preference, or creed. The church it was held in the case against the worldwide Church of God belongs to all people, and its assets, funds, and properties must be used for all the people, not just the members or believers. This will mean integration, an equal number of men and women in the pulpit and church boards, it will mean the integration of lesbians and homosexuals into the church staff and pulpit. It will also mean equal time for all creeds. The church will have to give equal time to humanism, Buddhism, Mohammedism, occultism, and more. This charitable trust doctrine goes hand in hand with another doctrine, the public policy doctrine. This is held by the IRS and various local, state, and federal agencies. Whatever is contrary to public policy is therefore not entitled to tax exemption, nor to a free exercise of faith, in example, to any legal existence. Thus, if abortion and homosexuality are held to be public policy, no group has a, quote, right, unquote, to tax exemption, or to maintain its legal freedom to pursue and uphold its, quote, discrimination, unquote, but must assent to these policies. No better blueprint for totalitarianism has been ever devised than this public policy doctrine. It is with us now. 
There is a lawsuit to remove the tax-exempt status of the Roman Catholic Church in the United States for its stand against abortion. In other words, this is total war, and we had better believe it and make our stand. Together with all this, there is a campaign underway to give a new meaning to the First Amendment and the separation of church and state. Almost every day the press carries attacks on the recent role of the church on the political scene. It is plainly stated that tax exemption requires silence on the part of the church, and that separation of church and state requires no comment on anything political by the church. The fact is that the purpose of the First Amendment was to keep the church free to exercise its prophetic role with respect to the state in other areas of life. The clergy demanded the First Amendment because they knew that an established church is a controlled church. A controlled church is a silent church, and usually a corrupt one as well. The election sermon was then a routine fact before civil elections. The church was the prophetic voice of God, spoke to every area of life, including the state, bringing God's word to bear on all things. See Calcine Position Paper number 16, quote, The Freedom of the Church, unquote. For the church to be silent is a sin, and it is a denial of its calling and a forsaking of the very purpose of the First Amendment. The freedom of the church to apply God's word, God's law, and moral requirements to the state is necessary for the health and welfare of the state and society. Today, as in ancient Israel and Judah, where evil rulers sought to silence the voice of the prophets, so now evil and anti-Christian rulers again seek to silence the prophetic word of God and the church, the ministry of that word. To be silent in such a time is to deny the Lord, abandon the faith, and concede to the enemy. Another thrust of status action against the church is to limit the scope of the First Amendment immunity of the church. It is implied or stated that only the, quote, purely religious, unquote, activities are under First Amendment, quote, protection, unquote. This is very narrowly defined to mean little more than the liturgy of worship. The Christian school is called, quote, educational, unquote. So, too, is the Sunday school. But it does not stop there. It has been implied that the sermon, too, is, quote, educational, unquote. This would remove all of these from any immunity from control. This is, of course, the goal, control. Let us remember that more people are in church on any given Sunday in the United States than have ever voted in a national election. These people are a tremendous and potential source of power. That power began to manifest itself in the 1980 U.S. election. It promises to do more in 1982. This can spell the death of humanistic statism, but this is not all. We may not agree with all the preaching on radio and television, but we do know this. There is a great deal of it. The preaching congregation is thus far, far greater than the very considerable number who are in church. It includes millions more, and many of these listen daily. This is a frightening fact to the enemy. It should not surprise us that the 1980 election was preceded and followed by a very extensive newspaper and magazine attack on the church. Ironically, the church was portrayed as the new fascism by these champions of fascism. 
Such publications as Playboy and Penthouse joined in the attack, as did former Senator McGovern. The saddest part of the story is the role of the pietist in the church. The more serious the battle becomes, the more they avoid it. Their idea of moral courage is to attack all those who are fighting for the freedom of the faith. These men seem to believe that spiritual exercises are a substitute for the obedience of faith. They try to vindicate their position and their flight from battle by stressing their superhealthy exercises and their refinement, not application of doctrine. In some cases, these men will involve themselves in the battle by appearing as witnesses against Christian brothers on trial. They do not hesitate to slander the men under fire, nor to cross over to the other side of the road. Luke 10, 31 and 32. They want no, quote, contamination, unquote, from the world. The state is a religious fact. The state is, in fact, the oldest religious institution in world history. Baal means lord or master, and Baal worship was state worship. Molech worship was a form of Baalism. Molech or Moloch, Melech, Milcom or Malcom means king. Molech worship declared by God to be a very great abomination is a form of state worship. The state from antiquity has claimed to be lord or sovereign. This is a religious claim. It is an assertion of divinity and ultimacy. For this reason, the early Christians refused to be licensed by Rome, which involved declaring that, quote, Caesar is Lord, unquote, or sovereign. Instead, they declared Christ is Lord over Caesar, not Caesar over Christ. The conflict of church and state ever since has been over this issue. Wherever the state claims sovereignty, it claims, after Hegel, to be God walking on earth. The modern state is the heir of Rome and Baal states in its claims to sovereignty. The U.S. Constitution broke with European civil theologies by avoiding totally the use of the word sovereign. For the Founding Fathers, as John Quincy Adams later stated, that doctrine belongs only to the Lord God of hosts, not to man, nor to civil government. The American civil system thus began with a religious rejection of sovereignty. Nothing more clearly reveals the extent of apostasy and theological decline than the fact that almost no churches challenged the civil doctrine of state sovereignty as anti-Christian and blasphemous. Certainly it is an example of the claim to be God. Clearly, the attempt to control and govern the church and to compel it to become an instrument of humanism is something which should remind us of 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, quote, he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, unquote. Christ is Lord. He alone is head of the church. His word alone can govern and command the church. For the state to claim that right is to declare itself to be man's true Savior and Lord. It means arrogating to the state the prerogatives and powers of none other than Jesus Christ, for any churchman to be silent in the face of this is a denial of Christ. For the state to attempt to license, regulate, control, or tax the church in any of its activities is for the state to usurp the powers and office of Jesus Christ. We cannot render unto Caesar 
that which belongs to God alone. We have slipped by easy stages into the compromise which has made this evil possible. The church, we have been told, must serve man. It must be, quote, responsive to the needs of the people, unquote. The goal has been to make the church more, quote, democratic, unquote. More people and experience-oriented and less theologically and biblically governed. More than a few churches have boasted of, quote, serving the needs of the community, unquote. Having been long governed by man and by man's needs, the church is trouble seeing any problem in being governed by the state. Perhaps the most powerful and evil movement in the church today is, quote, liberation theology, unquote, a form of Marxism. In the name of human need and hunger, quote, liberation, unquote, theologians seek to liberate the church from God and to enslave it to man and the state. Given this softening of the faith and theological mind of the church, the readiness to surrender in many quarters is understandable. Men who do not know the Lord will have no problem bowing down before or surrendering the church to the only Lord they know, the sovereign or Baal state. Before Gideon could free Israel, he had to reject Baalism. Judges 5.25 In the Ohio situation, the proposed rules to control Sunday schools, etc., exceed the statutory authority given to the Ohio Welfare Department. The same situation prevails in numerous other states. As a witness for Christian schools, churches, and other Christian agencies, I have seen state officials acting with little regard for, and often little knowledge of, their own department's code, as established by the state or federal government. Their very obvious position is this. They see their office as a blank check to exercise total power. They thereby plainly assume the sovereignty of the state. Any resistance to them is seen by them as evidence of evil intent. These officials immediately assume dark and evil motives on the part of resisting Christians. Illegal goals, financial mismanagement, abuse of trust, and so on and on. A servile press, which depends on status news handouts for its materials, echoes these charges with impunity. There is no way out of this solution except with the Lord. He alone can triumph. The time has come to attack the very gates of hell. They cannot prevail or hold out against our King. Matthew sixteen, eighteen. Humanism and Christ Kingdom A Special Chalcedon Alert Number 2 In January 1982, President Reagan introduced a bill into Congress to control ostensible racism in Christian schools and to control the churches of which these schools are a part. No more evidence of, quote, racism, unquote, was shown than two cases out of 538 investigations by the Internal Revenue Service. All the same, many thousands of institutions were to be radically controlled by the bill. By March 1982, the President's bill was apparently virtually dead, but not the impetus behind it. Some states saw the introduction of similar measures as well as other bills to place all Christian schools under state departments of public instruction. In one major state, a bill was introduced to give the state sole and exclusive control 
over all instruction and all instructional programs. The State Department of Public Instruction, in its analysis of the bill, stated the following, quote, Instruction includes teaching, educational counseling, the rendering of advice on educational matters, or any other process by which knowledge is attempted to be imparted to any person by another. Instruction elsewhere than school means the instruction of any person of compulsory attendance age which regularly occurs outside of a public school and other than as authorized or provided under the auspices of a school district pursuant to statute. Unquote. Consider the implications of this measure. Any non-state approved regular teaching of children ages 5 to 18 would be illegal unless licensed, regulated, and controlled by the State Department of Education. This would include Sunday school, church services attended by those aged 5 to 18, nightly family Bible readings, teaching and prayer, Christian schools, and more. At least one other state is trying to gain most of these powers by fiat regulation. At least one or more are planning to do the same, and courts in many states are asserting the same powers. The argument of many congressmen and senators who have defended the President's bill is, one, that tax exemption is not a privilege, but a subsidy, and two, activities contrary to public policy are not entitled to tax exemption. Both arguments are totalitarian and fascistic. The next logical step from these premises is to deny freedom to anyone who holds to opinions or is active in matters, contrary to public policy whether or not the activists are tax-exempt. Religious freedom is not a grant from the state, but the affirmation of the sovereignty of God, not the state. We are not, quote, one nation under God, unquote, if the state can control religion. From the days of the early church, Christians have fought for freedom from state controls because Jesus Christ is Lord or sovereign, and Christ is Lord over Caesar, not Caesar over Christ. That victory is now in jeopardy. It is in jeopardy from two sources. First, from the assaults of humanistic statism, and second, from churchmen whose voices always trumpet retreat and surrender. One prominent man is justifying surrender to state licensure on the grounds of Acts 21.40. Paul, after the mob scene in the temple, was taken into custody by the Roman captain. Paul asked for permission to speak to the crowd, identifying himself as, quote, a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, unquote, Acts 21.39. To be a citizen of Tarsus meant that one belonged to an old aristocracy with full burgess rights, which were respected in Rome. See W.K. Ramsey, The Cities of St. Paul, page 174, double F, 1907. This fact would have made the captain ready to be agreeable. Paul, however, may have meant that he was a citizen of Rome, which he was, a point the captain missed, to his later dismay. See R.C.H. Linsky, Interpretation of the Acts of the Apostles, pages 896, double F, 1944. Then we are told the captain gave, quote, license, unquote, to speak, according to the King James Version, the word translated as, quote, license, unquote, is the Greek 
epetropo, to allow, let, or permit. It has no reference to formal licensure, and a military captain had no such power to license. That a man of learning would offer such a, quote, justification, unquote, for licensure and surrender indicates in him and those who follow him an amazing intellectual prostitution and cowardice. These men refuse to comment on the many texts which tell us, as Acts 5.29 does, quote, We ought to obey God rather than men. Unquote. Meanwhile, one of the clearest indications of God's grace to the United States is that He is raising up an increasing number of men all over the country who will not surrender to Caesar. More than a few have paid or are paying a price for this. On February 18th, 1982, in Nebraska, District Judge Raymond Case sentenced Pastor Everett Sylvan of the Faith Baptist Church, Louisville, Nebraska, to a four-month prison sentence on a contempt of court hearing. Pastor Sylvan had refused to allow the church's school ministry to be licensed and controlled by the state. What we are seeing all over the world is the rise of fascism. Fascism is a form of socialism which retains the forms of republic and or a democracy while rendering those forms meaningless. Open socialism proceeds to the outright ownership, quote, free, unquote, elections and like things. Benito Mussolini, the first fascist leader, was a Marxist who learned his lesson well from Lenin and his associates. The Soviet Union, more openly socialistic, all the same adopted the forms it sought to destroy. It called itself a union of Soviet socialist republics. Although none were republics, it uses the appearance of elections to ratify totalitarianism. It has a legislative body with no independent voice, unions which cannot strike, hold free meetings and elections, or do anything normal to a union, and so on and on. The Soviet Union has instituted history's perhaps greatest slave state, Red China is its rival here, in the name of freedom, and it presents itself to the world as the champion of freedom. Because all socialist states find it necessary to disguise their tyranny, they all become fascist in due time. A few Marxist journalists are belatedly waking up to this fact. Like most modern states the world over, the United States is moving into fascism. Its excuse is the civil rights of people, the desire to further brotherhood, prevent injustice, and so on, the classic justifications for tyranny in every age. Limit freedom to gain worthy goals, say these apologists. One congressman has written defending the president's bill that the federal government must protect the, quote, civil rights of all Americans, regardless of race, color, or creed, unquote, and hence controls are necessary. Presidential aide Edwin Meese feels that the federal government has the power to require, if it chooses, the ordination of women as pastors and priests, no discrimination, and of homosexuals as well. He does not believe this administration will take that step. To assert the priority of the Civil Rights Act over the First Amendment means that discrimination in terms of creed can also be abolished. Churches and synagogues will then be required to give equal time to all faiths, to humanism, atheism, Buddhism, Mohammedanism, and so on. In at least one court decision, this is implicit. 
The new fascism, more than the old, seeks to justify itself in terms of every humanitarian idea in terms of social justice, brotherhood, equality, and the like. In the process, it begins by destroying freedom and then all the goals it claims to seek. The major beneficiary and the one continuing beneficiary of the new fascism is the state, the modern power state. The champions of the new fascism in civil government, the press and media, the university and the pulpit are a self-styled elite who believe that their program of controls is the solution for all man's problems. They love controls, as David Lebedoff points out in The New Elite, The Death of Democracy, 1981, because growth is free and uncontrolled. Risk, the entrepreneurial climate and necessity, is a horror to the new elite. They want a controlled world possible only in the graveyard. Because the new elite distrust representative government, it looks increasingly to rule by court fiats and, as a result, the courts are more and more ruling the country. On top of this, quote, sweetheart suits, unquote, are increasingly used to sidestep any defense by the people. In a, quote, sweetheart suit, unquote, one branch of the federal government, e.g. the Justice Department, sues another branch, e.g. the Internal Revenue Service, as the ostensible champion of some aspect of the non-status sector, e.g. Christian schools. The real defendant is kept in ignorance of the trial until a decision is rendered. All this in the name of human rights. This is the new fascism together with bureaucratic regulations. Huey Long, when asked if America would ever go fascist, said, quote, Yes, only we'll call it anti-fascism, unquote. We call reaction reform. We call slavery freedom, and so on. As Lebedoff says, quote, An elite is coming to power under the name of anti-elitism. Thus, every change in the rules was made in the name of reform. Openness was the battle cry of those who closed things up. What the new elite extols is precisely what it seeks to destroy, unquote. Page 82. Moreover, for the new fascism here as in Sweden, Roland Hunsford, The New Totalitarians, 1972, justice is now equated with legality. The presupposition of such a view is that the state is God walking on earth, and therefore there is no truth nor justice beyond the state, or the great society. What the state does is just because there is said to be no God whose doctrines can be used to judge the state and its laws. At the foundation of the new fascism is the denial of the God of Scripture and the assertion of the ultimacy of man. Elite man or the philosopher kings and man's humanistic state. Such a view abolishes by fiat any higher law and it denies any court higher than man's court. The denial of any law of God and of any court above man and the state is the foundation of tyranny. Status fiats are then both law and justice. The vital nerve of resistance to evil, the faith in a higher good, the God of Scripture, is then cut and darkness settles over the land. Crime then ceases to be sin but becomes social deviation, a refusal to bow down to the modern bell, the state. 
Then, too, the state, without God, ceases to be what St. Paul tells us God ordains it to be, a terror to evildoers, Romans 13, 3, and 4, and becomes instead a terror to the godly. The state asserts and equates its control with justice, when Scripture tells us that it is God's law word which is alone justice. St. Augustine saw clearly in the city of God that a state without God and submission to Him is simply a larger criminal gang or syndicate. The modern state is less and less a terror to evildoers, more and more a threat to the godly. In Sweden, according to Huntsford, page 336, a state legal expert has said openly, quote, Our aim is to remove all traces of church morality from legislation, unquote. The same goal is in evidence in one country after another, and certainly in the United States. Emancipation and freedom have come to mean to humanistic statism, liberation from God and His Word into the world of the tempter. Every man his own God, doing what he considers right in his own eyes. Genesis 3, 5. This new liberation is ancient sin and tyranny. This decade will see the battle develop with force and intensity. There is no neutrality in this war, and Christ recognizes none. There was a time when the most common painting, reference, and designation of Jesus Christ was as Christ the King. The Puritan battle cry was, quote, The crown rights of King Jesus, unquote. He is the Lord, the Sovereign, and we cannot surrender that which belongs to Him without incurring His judgment. If you are indifferent to what is happening to Christ's faithful ones, what can you expect from Christ the Judge? We dare not surrender to anyone that which is the crown property of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he had shown us by his paying the very price. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me.
Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.